Welcome to Living the Reclaim Life podcast. I'm Denisha. We're glad you're here for conversations that revive hope, inspire healing, and encourage you to live a vibrant life with Christ. So grab a cup of coffee as we chat with today's guest. This is Valerie again. I'm so happy to be back on the podcast with you. And today I have some very special friends with me, Kim and Ben Parrish. We go to the same church and Kim is on staff at New Life Bible Fellowship. And she's joined by Mr. Ben, who also is pretty cool around our church. All the kids love him. And so thank you guys. Thank you for saying yes to me coming <laughs> to coming here and being on the podcast. So welcome. Thank, thank you. you very much for having us. Yes. So, Kim and Ben, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family? Because I know your family has a unique story, too, but just tell us a little bit about your pride and joy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we have been married this July, 25 years, yep. and we are excited. We have four kiddos. We've got a daughter that's at college in Tennessee and a son that's in the Navy and a son that is graduating this right year. He's about to graduate in May. And then we couldn't have any more kids, so we went through a long... Uh, adoption process from international and that didn't work out. And so after we were out of money, we decided <laughs> that we would become foster parents. Oh, and wonderful. And his goodness gave us our son. We got him at five days old and were able to adopt him. And so we have a seven-year-old about to be eight. Um, so a big gap there, but he's a great kid for our almost empty nesting phase of life. <laughs> Yeah, keeps you on your toes. Keeps you young, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Or it makes me realize how old I am. Yeah, so right. yeah. <laughs> well, and you're always surrounded by children, right? Because you're our children's ministry director at New Life, and you're on the executive leadership team. So, tell us a little bit about just your passion for for ministry and for serving God in the church. Yeah, I would say Ben and I both. Like he's been my right arm and everything. Um, just as the children's ministry director and family ministry director, like we want to see children come to know Christ. But mm. more than that, we want families. Like we want the church to not be the place they learn about Christ, but we want the church to echo the home. Yes. So um. that's why I love children's ministry, just because I get to work with kids and parents. And I want to help equip parents to feel confident that it it is their testimony that God will often use most in the life of their children. Yeah. And yeah. just helping them feel like it's okay and where to share their testimony and how to share who God is to them with their children and make that organic from them. And then that sure. way, just even just echoing that in the church. And I just have a real passion and a heart for that. And just even letting them know, like just even their honesty and who they are and what God has done in their life has a profound effect on their children. So yeah, that's my excited part about that. What would you add to that? Well, it's very similar. I just, I just love being able to be a part of God's family and mm. those who are, are just trying to walk this life, that, you know, just like I am. And um, whether it's with the kids and just bringing excitement to their, their every week whenever they come in the doors to like men's groups and being able just to be real about what we're walking through in life, yeah. like what we're trying to deal with in mm -hmm. our daily lives. Like I, I feel like so many times we, we hide a lot of stuff. And so yeah. I just like to try to be as open as possible in, in those moments and just be able to say, hey, look, this is real. Like the things that sure. we go through are real. We don't need to hide them. Yeah. And, and the more we can walk alongside each other, the, the, the better it'll be. So. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, and that's a great segue to what we're going to be talking about today about what do we do when we're struggling with some just real real hard issues. And um, we may feel ashamed and we may feel like we need to hide them, especially when we're in the church. And as you guys know, we've been talking about this theme this last month of distorted love and, and how, how does our love 
get distorted and how how our view of God can affect sometimes how we view love. And even as we talked about last week, how our upbringing, our family dynamics and how we grew up and maybe how we saw our parents relate and whether we had a healthy home or an unhealthy home or dysfunctional marriage or, or not, you know, how that can view, how that can change our view of love. And so part of the reason I invited you guys was because you have a pretty incredible story, a reclaimed story in your marriage. And I know the two of you have been just such a blessing to my husband and I and have helped us walk through struggles in our marriage. And so so I want you guys to first share, individually share how your upbringing, how the marriage you saw in your home, um, how that affected your view of love and, and what you brought into your marriage with each other. Yeah. So I'll go first. My dad and mom divorced when I was two. Mm -hmm. Um, I have uh, one sibling that's five years older and one sibling that's like 12 years older. We had kind of different lives because when my family, my parents were married, they were in the rodeo and they Mm -hmm. did all these kind of family RV kind of stuff. Well, then they got divorced when I was two. My older brother went to live with my dad and my middle brother and I stayed with my mom. But my dad then was married four other times and my Mm. mom was married two other times. So five marriages for my dad and three for my mom. And Mm. my parents were good people. My parents were home every night. Mm -hmm. They provided, they were there on and off. They would take us to church. We had family outings and everything, but the impact of all the relationships was really hard Mm. because I think just as a child, when I was craving their attention, they were in new relationships themselves. Mm -hmm. And it just made me feel at times like unseen. Mm. Um, And I am a, if you study Enneagram at all, I am an Enneagram (laughs) three, like my picture should be in the dictionary with what an Enneagram (laughs) three is. And so I'm constantly trying to come up with like, what's my rubric for success here. Mm. So for me, as I came to know, Christ, like God was so gracious to me and revealing himself to me when I was like 12 years old and coming to know him as as my redeemer and my father and my Mm -hmm. protector. And Mm -hmm. that was so good. But then I I morphed that into thinking that, oh, now it's my job Mm -hmm. to teach my family who Christ is. And because Mm -hmm. I'm that achiever, it was out of my perfection, I wanted them to know Christ. Like God was going to use that in me to teach them that, which was unattainable, right? Sure. And so, but I'm So I had a goal that I was going to go to college. And when I first went to college, I wanted to be an attorney. But whatever it was, I needed to be successful at it to reveal God to them. Mm -hmm. And then it became uh, I wanted to get married so that I could show them how to do marriage right and well in God's way. Sure. And um, so I had just picked up a lot of that. But it was fun. When I was nine, my neighbor had asked me to watch their church nursery. So I kind of laughed that I've been in children's marriage since I was nine, (laughs) which we would never allow a nine-year-old to watch now. Um, but I got God all the time through the mm-hmm. nursery. Like I would hear it and then mm-hmm. just being in that church. And so I heard God and I knew God, but my personality definitely morphed to that and what I was mm-hmm. looking for in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of me. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. So I, I grew up in, in, a, in a pretty, you know, uh, in a Christian home that, that was, you know, my parents were, had a good relationship, um, mm-hmm. and, and they've been married for over 50 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very much a home where 
there were things going on in the background, but we put on kind of that that face mm. to the rest of the world that everything was doing okay. Sure. And as a part of that, I, I you know, we talk about Enneagram. I'm, I'm a nine, and so I'm, a, I'm very much a people pleaser. My my oldest sister was trying to spread her wings, and, and you know, they, they would argue with my parents a lot in, inside the house. My middle sister, a little at the time that I know, but was struggling, starting to struggle with an alcohol addiction and things mm. like that. And mm-hmm. so I was their source of joy. Sure. And Happiness, and so therefore, I had to do that for my parents in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, um, at least I just, well, it's what I took on internally myself. Well, mm-hmm. I took that on also with my relationship with God. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I came very, you know, I grew up in the church. I was baptized at a very young age, uh, seven years old, and I just, I, you know, I knew God, but I started developing this just this kind of dance with God of okay, I've got to mm-hmm. please you, and so I got to do certain things to please you, and mm-hmm. I know I've got other things that I'm dealing with, but. But I, I can kind of hide those and please you with the things that I know, like, you know, whether it was serving or whether sure. it was going to camps or whether it was, mm-hmm. you know, you know, singing and you know, whatever, the, being, you know, a big part of youth group or whatever the case may be. And so that people pleasing and that kind of hiding the things that I knew wasn't going well would kind of follow me as I you know got out of high school, got into a relationship with Kim. And then kind of moved on from there. So yeah, and I just want to—I I think I didn't say it at the beginning, but um, if you're listening to this as an adult, and if you have kids around, you might want to want to wait and listen to it. We are going to be talking about some some adult topics, so just wanted to give that little disclaimer first. So, so Ben, as you talk about just like we talked about that distorted view of love and how you know you viewed God as as you know I need to please God. Did you feel like as long as you were pleasing? God, then you felt loved by God. Would you say there was a connection there? Yeah, I, I felt like I was acceptable to be loved by mm. God at that time, right? Mm. So I had to be able to do a certain amount of things in order to be worthy of the love that He gave me. I understood it was a sacrifice that that you know Jesus did for me that I could never do. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I always felt like there was kind of this scales in my brain of okay, I've done enough to kind of be worthy of that almost, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, you know, yeah, I really kind of struggle with with that, you know, as I have other pieces of my my testimony to talk about. Yeah. So what, what as, as you're um, sharing today about, like I said, the, the, the distorted view of love and how, like you said, as long as I was pleasing God, I felt acceptable, but what, what part um, of your life did you feel like you couldn't you couldn't share or else you would feel unacceptable. Biggest piece for me was as I was a, a kid and as I was growing up, I had uh, several, some some pretty key exposures to pornography early on. One of them was, uh, you know, just with a babysitter who would watch. Back then, satellite was pretty new, right? You know, they had the big dishes in the back of the yard and yeah. we were able to afford that. And But nothing was, hmm. like it was not subscription-based. It was just anything that was on air you could watch. Sure. So the uh, there was, you know, definitely pornography on the air with Playboy Channel and things of like that. And, hmm. and so I... Um, my my female babysitter and I would watch that. She was much older than I was, and, mm. and so just kind of starting off with that, I just I, I mean I knew in my spirit that was wrong, but mm-hmm. but but there was a piece of my flesh that was like, ooh, I I, I enjoy this, mm-hmm. and so I you know that that kind of would start to follow and, and start um, a pattern of of just kind of addiction and pornography that lasted for you know twenty five plus years, uh, 30, mm. thirty years probably. So I had to hide that. And, and work even more hard to be able to hmm. keep the scales in my mind sure. where I was acceptable to God. Sure, sure. And as you look at how when you met Kim and you're starting to talk about marriage, what 
what was in your mind as far as that struggle and how you viewed, you know, your love relationship with Kim? How, how did you view, like, did you view that that was going to somehow fix it or, you know, be the, the cure, the answer? So tell a little bit about yeah, that. Great question. So as I, you know, I, I totally was like, as soon as I get married, this will be done. Like sure. I will not have this struggle anymore. Right. Cause it's all just a total physical thing. And that's all that mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have that understanding of this where I was trying to balance out my good and bad with God and playing Mm. that dance that would just basically come into our, our marriage relationship Mm. and be something that I would try to do the same with Kim. Mm. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I thought when we got married, we'd be able to have sex and and all that would be go away. Mm -hmm. And it was very much the opposite. So Mm -hmm. I now had two people that I was trying to balance the scales with Mm -hmm. and deal with. And I dealt with the emotions of of my wife and as she started to learn about my addiction and things like that. And so now I was even trying to just keep peace there. Right. And people please trying to keep the peace and I'm trying to keep the peace and I'm balancing this, you know, the secret world of me and and the pornography that I was uh, pursuing along with, um, trying to keep my wife happy and, and, and trying to keep a relationship with God that was healthy and, and just yeah, yeah. didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So what, how did you expect her to love you? Um, In what way did you expect her to, to meet your needs and to, to love you well? Yeah. I mean, I, I would think, you know, the first piece was just that, you know, just, you know, a physical relationship that would, that would be, you know, her being open and we mm-hmm. both being able to be in that. And that, you know, I, I almost just felt like just having that relationship with her and being physical with her would, would take care of things. And then also because I was struggling with where I was with everything, there was this piece of just I wanted her to love me where I was at. I almost wanted to be able to explain or like just kind of divulge everything and be like, just love me where I'm at and help me, you know. I almost wanted her to rescue me in some ways yeah. because sure. I was like, I need help and I don't know how to get out of this. I've been struggling with this sure. at that point for, you know, six or seven years and, and just not sure how to get beyond that. So, sure. Yeah. So Kim, as you entered marriage, like you said, you, you kind of had this, this responsibility really that you were carrying that, you know, I did not have a good model of what, you know, a long-term marriage, healthy marriage, Christian marriage look like. So I have to prove that I can make that happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so as you developed a love relationship with Ben and started even before you knew about his struggle, how did you love him? Like how, how did you, you know, as his wife, how did, how did you communicate love? How did you expect him to love you? Like, what were your expectations? Yeah. So I think part of it is just understanding even that without achiever part of me, I felt like I knew God loved me, but I felt like it was my duty to return to him at the end of the day, an achievement. Hmm. Like it's what, and so for me, like as much like God wants to walk in a daily, hourly second relationship with me, mm-hmm. I would like wake up and in my mind, get my marching orders. Let me go achieve for <laughs> God and come back and give it at his feet. Right. Sure. And so I'd created, like I said, this rubric. And so for me, I knew what I wanted in order to have a godly marriage. I had to have a godly man. Mm-hmm. And what attracted me to Ben was I saw this young college guy running after <laughs> God with all mm-hmm. of his heart. Little did I know he was running after God because he had an addiction that was killing him. And so he was desperate for God to take this away. And so I saw fruit and evidence of a relationship with God, but the motivation behind it, I didn't understand. Sure. And so checklist, though, I got my guy who's (laughs) running after God with all his heart, right? And so this is going to— And good looking. And good looking. 
someone who saw me, like yeah. Ben um, met me the first day of school our mm-hmm. freshman year in college and went home and told his roommates I was the girl he was going to marry. Oh. And so the fact that a man that loved God like that saw me like mm. meant the world to me. Oh. Um, and so that was such a sweet thing. So mm. here I was, I have my first checklist and like, yeah, let's go. Here's my formula yep. for success, right? <laughs> um, it was hard for me though, because we get married and Ben didn't tell me about his addiction. Sure. But after our honeymoon, like he had in his mind that sex was going to fix it mm. and sex didn't fix it because his pornography problem wasn't a sex addiction. It was just a, just like anyone would use food or ice cream or whatever to heal yeah. a wound, right? Sure. A safety place for him. Sure. He began to withdraw from me. Mm. And so nothing was going the way I had planned. Like, God, I, I honored you. I yep. sought a guy with this. Like, I thought we had an agreement here that this is the way it was going to go. <laughs> and it didn't go that way. And yeah. so then I began to try to figure out, like, well, what do I need to do? And it, it took us a couple of years before mm. I even discovered your addiction. And then quickly, though, in my own personality was like, oh, that's why God put me here so that I could fix Ben. Mm. And so as much as I thought it was for me to show my family how to have a great marriage, sure. oh, I'm going to get to fix Ben and then show my family what a great marriage is. Like it was all <laughs> totally, you know, yeah. and, you know, God was just like, as much as Ben was trying to make himself worthy, I was also trying to make myself worthy, mm. but I was trying to earn it by achievement. Sure. And so it was kind of a crazy recipe that we started our life with. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. So share a little bit about, about that, about as, as you made that discovery, the confession and here you're both coming, one's pleasing, one's, you know, achieving. How did that blow up? (laughs) How did, how did that, you know, how did that crash come together and what, what did you start to see in your relationship or in your marriage that you realize, wow, there's something, there's something wrong here. Well, I'd say for me as, as you know, um, I don't even remember like the moment when you realized that I had an addiction. I don't, I don't know. I, I found it on the computer when mm-hmm. he was born. I remember she oh, was sick and right. I was going to the doctor and you were kind of, you were just slowly fading away on me. Mm-hmm. And I really was kind of yeah. like God sitting me down at the computer and saying, click this, this, and I found it. Yeah. But as as that started, as she found it, and was we were kind of starting to just even just discover, you mm-hmm. know, what was going on there. It, it was I would say I get very defensive when I'm kind of when I'm getting found out, right? You sure. Know? So sure. I think it, it started to kind of clash that way that that I was getting defensive, and I was like, you know, and then I started making excuses for myself as mm. if, well, this is natural for guys to want to look. We're just visual, and that mm. should be okay, and like all those kind of things, and and so and then you know she was like. Well, this is not what it's supposed to be like. We're supposed to, you know, and so with her side of trying to kind of present this, you know, doing this achiever and having this right marriage and me being like defensive because I'm like, I know I'm not living up to what I'm supposed to. Right. And so I'm, my scales are, I, I mean, they're the tip so, so far yeah. I can't even get, get there. Right. Sure. But I'm still trying. And so I'm trying to now make excuses of why it's okay. Mm-hmm. And therefore maybe that'll allow the scales to kind of come back around. So. Yeah, it, it was it was hard because like I go into achiever mode, of course, and mm-hmm. so like I in the early days of Google, research, bought, and studied every book out there on oh, wow. pornography addiction. <laughs> wow. And so I came home excited, like you want to read this book with me? And he's like, No, I'm not reading your book. And so then I would highlight if you'll just read the highlighted oh, wow. part. It would, the yeah, I remember the highlighted part. And then I was like, Okay, you know what? Only God can do this. So I would make little scripture cards and put it on his odometer. And like, 
I was like, I'm giving you all the tools. Like, take the tools and do this, you know? Yeah. But it just buried him more and more because wow. it was had being the focus and feeling like he was someone who needed to be fixed. Mm. Um, but then it was really, my identity was so wrapped up in that and his mm. identity, like they were just totally misplaced. And we did a dance for years. I mean, we saw counselors and mm-hmm. there were things through the years that I thought that we did learn that was good. And what we began to learn that was really help is just even to realize that I became very codependent in that Hmm. my happiness became like when he looked like he was better I was better and then Hmm. when he would struggle I would struggle and it was just and even realizing like you did you definitely go to that place of like is there something wrong with me like it took a while to realize like his addiction really had nothing to do with me or Hmm. or even in any ineptness in my own way Hmm. Um, but it was a hard raising three young kids being in the military away from family Hmm. Um, there were some really hard years and there's, but there were lots of beautiful ups and downs in the middle of it too. Yeah. Mm. There was definitely, I would say from, from my perspective as even, you know, even as my addiction started just continued to grow because, you know, um, cause I wasn't healing the right spot. I wasn't getting to the heart of reason really why I was doing it. Right. Sure. Uh, that, so it just kind of became a shame cycle for me. I'm a people pleaser. I'm mm-hmm. doing these things. I'm not able to pe- please Kim or God. So therefore, I'm going to run back to it because that's the only place I can kind of create a world for me sure. to where people are happy, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so I create a you know a, a fantasy world, and then I would stay in that, and then I'd come out of it, and I'd be like, oh, and I'm just I'm, I'm ashamed again, mm-hmm. dealing with Kim and whatever's going on, and even the kids as you know as they got older and everything else, it was just really really difficult. And there were times, you know, as we do, we went through about every counselor that you probably ever heard of as, as mm-hmm. pornography was really kind of becoming to be addressed in the sure. Two thousands, early two thousands, you know, mm-hmm. um, that every counselor that was big in the, in the world we went through, and, and <laughs> we spent a lot of money. And yeah. It was, it was. I mean, I think that there were. God definitely used pieces of that to help me out. But sure, was, I ne- we never kind of got to the root for a very long time mm-hmm. uh, hmm. of why I was in it, and so therefore, even though I may have a few months of sobriety, I never, you know, I always went back. I, I never really addressed. I think one of the things that helped was once I finally quit trying to fix Ben, once Mm -hmm. God began to set my identity right with him and help Mm -hmm. me see through learning about codependency, like it, God didn't love me more. Like I wasn't put in Ben's life to fix Ben for God. Mm. Like we were in a marriage and together our marriage was to glorify God, but that didn't come from me fixing Ben that came from me surrendering to God. And like, what do you have here? And what, and then as I was able to sit in God's love for me, just being me and Mm. nothing else and no achievement and that God loved me just the way I was I didn't have to fix myself or fix anyone around me to have value to him. Yeah. And as I began to walk in my own identity in Christ and like take that pressure off of Ben, mm-hmm. and really when I began to trust Ben to God, when mm-hmm. I began to say, I am incapable of fixing my husband, but I trust you, God, with my husband, and I'm going to put my eyes on me. And what wife are you calling me to be? And mm-hmm. what child of God are you calling me to be? And I'm going to trust you to write Ben's story, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to be here as you ask me to be. That is when there was space. Like, he wasn't fighting me and God in that process. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's so beautiful. And I know I know you've helped me with that personally, just being able to say, you know, whatever your spouse is going through, that, you know, you have to trust 
the God in them, the God, you know, that God is working in them. You know, sometimes we, I think, underestimate it's like, well, what else can I do? But, you know, like prayer and just being able to bring them. And it's hard when you're hurt, you know? I mean, I've experienced that in relationships and marriage. It's like, it's hard when, when there is a wound, there is a hurt there. And even though you have forgiven that person, still being like, okay, but God, but you know, it's like, but there's still this lack, there's still this void, there's still this, this need I have, you know, just how do I trust your timing? And even how do I trust that what they can give to me right now is enough. Mm-hmm. Why don't you, Kim, a little bit as you started to share your healing journey of how, like you said, just just God speaking to you about your identity. And why don't you share with, with the women who are listening, whose husband may be struggling or has struggled, may still be struggling. What was your time with God like? Or what, you know, maybe conversations with other people or um, resources, like what you know, kind of describe that that journey when you started to, you know, see God working in your life with that, like to share with the audience about that a little bit more. Yeah, I think it was um, just realizing that God loved me right where I was mm-hmm. and trusting in Him. And I think that it was learning that it was okay to mourn, mm-hmm. learning that I had an unwritten contract with God, that I... My parents didn't do it the way that you did, but if I do it that way, you're going to give me a good marriage. Mm. And I had to realize, like, that wasn't fair. That wasn't what God promised me. And that even if God is still good Mm. and that everything that I had wanted in that fulfillment from a husband was really all deep longing longings that only God could fulfill. Sure. And yeah. I had to learn um, that like God is everything. I, I kind of use this sometimes that like God was my total ice cream sundae, <laughs> like everything in it. And my husband just gets to be the cherry on top. Hmm. And that even recognizing that my husband was a gift from God hmm. and that if I had a struggle with my husband, I had to go to the gift giver. Hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I often say that, I am so thankful for Ben's addiction because I wouldn't know God the way I do without it. Mm. Had I gotten in an easy marriage Mm -hmm. that I could have made an idol out of and just Mm. stayed on the surface, I wouldn't know God the way I do. Mm. And so that's a huge gift. There's a lot of years there. Like (laughs) I wouldn't change them for anything, you know? And it's not like our marriage is perfect now and that, but it's, when I am not going to Him to fulfill my identity, yes, and my identity only comes from God, and so that way I'm not riding Ben's roller coaster, but I'm on God's lazy river, right? <laughs> I'm just letting Him, and so that that way, mm. if either one of us are ever out of balance, because I can do it to Him too, right? Yeah, um, sure. I can throw Him in a tailspin when I'm not. My identity is not right, and so. Just that that God is my everything and that I do get to enjoy and share life with Ben, mm-hmm. um, but he's not my everything. Yeah. And that makes life a whole lot easier. That's a lot of pressure for him mm-hmm. and not appropriate. He wasn't intended to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So good. So, Ben, how about you for for men and women who may be listening who are maybe still in uh, pornography addiction, or maybe they have been and they're kind of um, recovering, but they still haven't really felt safe to share or, you know, to confess. What 
what was kind of your healing process and, and, you know, and even now, how do you, how do you keep that temptation at bay? Yeah. Um, I, I would say, I mean, as we went through all the counseling that we went through, um, they, they dealt a lot with the symptoms. And, and I think there was, it, as they were dealing with the symptoms, it, it kind of gives some breathing space to kind of start dealing with the heart. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know that I felt seen by God in any of those moments. Mm-hmm. But when we came here... I mean, God knew exactly what he was doing. I mean, we moved to the middle of nowhere, Arizona. We're from the, you know, Georgia and Tennessee. We're like, why are we going all the way back out this way? You know, it's way so far away from family. But mm-hmm. God knew what he was doing. And, and he knew what he was doing because one of the first weeks that we visited New Life, mm-hmm. um, John and Angel, who you've had on here on this uh, podcast, yeah. shared their story. Yes. And and so um, I didn't know at the time. We were like, okay, well, you know, hey, there's some people who kind of dealing with the same things. But I was still... I was still struggling a lot. I mean, I, my, my pornography addiction never really waned at all. I mean, I mm. had moments, like I said, of, of sobriety, but like for the most part, I was always kind of constantly in it. Mm. But um, September 2017, um, Kim came to me one night uh, after being out and praying and, and stuff as we've been, as the relationship was still kind of in this, you know, struggling and, and everything mm. else and dealing with my addiction and came to me and asked for a divorce. And I, I like, it just, uh, it just stopped me in my tracks. I didn't even like, I didn't even know what to say. And I was like, okay, no, 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 this, this can't be happening. Like I, I'm, I, you know, almost mm. that people pleaser in my heart was like, I'm, I'm definitely not going to be worthy of anything now if I get a divorce mm. and I have a pornography addiction, like, you know, what's going on? So I was like, I was just desperate. And mm. um, I said, okay, you know, can we try you know, counseling one more time? And she was like, yeah. That, that's fine. I said, I'll be the one to, to go figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. I'll go to John, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so that Sunday, I, I went to Pastor John and, and just broke down. And, and, and we started counseling with with him and Angel within like a week or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, we had no promise. Kim was just like, I'll, I'll give it a month. But I'm, you know, at the end of that month, uh, you know, I, you know, I'll probably have papers uh, ready for you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so anyway, but when we went into that counseling session, like, God mm. showed himself to me and, mm. and said, I see you, Ben. Mm. I see exactly where you're at. I know what you're going through, and I still love you. <laughs> and um, it was really just an identity piece, yeah. that, that a deep identity piece of who I, who I saw myself. Like that whole I have to kind of keep the scales tipped right in order yeah. to even be worthy of his love. Yeah. And um, to understand that he adopted me mm. into his family for who I was, not for what I could be or for how I performed. Yeah. And he knew everything about me. And to be able to to just feel that mm. and and allow my spirit and my heart to accept that and just go, okay, God. Mm. And then I mean, it it's not that the temptations go away, but what drove me to to go to pornography all the other times, I'm like, no. There's not fulfillment in that. Yeah. And I now can understand, you know, and my my spirit we just just that God loves me where I'm at and mm. that the relationship with Kim and the relationship with him is just I don't, I don't know. It just it, mm. it, it it God just really did a, a moment in, through all that time with with John and Angel and 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 I don't know if it was just a build up of all the years kind of coming to that, mm. but uh, yeah. Wow. 
you both you both have shared about being seen and wow i mean just the the beauty of that and i think of so many stories in the bible of when god just stopped and saw people you know like the bleeding woman and the woman at the well and then you know just you know Saul becoming paul and just you know just god just saying I see you, you know, and, and I love how you shared about adoption because we've been talking about that with, you know, that God is love, you know, and if we're struggling with, with our view of love and our view of what is the right kind of marriage and, and how should I love my spouse or how should I love others? And if we, you know, really sometimes comes down to our belief of who God is, right? Because if God is love and we're not, believing the right things about God that, you know, that he, he doesn't expect us to be all cleaned up when we come to him, right? That he adopts us as we are. And then he, you know, he cleanses us because of his adoption, because of his righteousness. So I just love how God has used both of, you know, that your need to be seen, your your need to feel like I belong to you, God, just as I am, how, you know, that that was that healing point for both of you. So that is just so, so beautiful. Um, so as we kind of come to the end of our podcast, and you've already shared so many good, good things about, you know, it's your identity in Christ has been a huge part of, of the healing process. Why don't you share with our audience to just, you know, where you're at now and how you continue to maintain, <laughs> if you want to say maintain that, to live in that truth. Um, you know, like you said, no no marriage is perfect. And even as we reclaim our stories, you know, we still have to trust God each and every day. So how are you trusting God right now in your marriage? And, and you know, I know you both have said, you know, your marriage is better than it ever has been, but how are you continuing to grow and trust God um, today in your marriage? Yeah, I think our marriage starts with a good relationship, each one of us individually with God. And sure. if that is not in line, then we can't come to our marriage with an appropriate mindset on how to love each other appropriately. Sure. Because I'll try to do it in my own strength. I'll try to be a people pleaser to Kim. I'll try to appease mm-hmm. her so that she's happy. And as long as she's happy, then my world's good. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, our relationships with God have to be come first. And then after that, we just try to just make sure we're open with each other about the things that we're maybe struggling with, with each other, maybe mm-hmm. just in the world around us and whatever. Um, you know, I just feel like, uh, especially, um, in talking about, when sin comes to light, it has no more power. And so mm. even on the small things to make sure that they don't start to build up and become big things, because it's not like all of a sudden one day I woke up and I was in a raging porn addiction. Sure, It, it, yeah. it took time of exposures and, mm. and wrong kind of just kind of, um, you know, just kind of reassuring the wrong behaviors by sure. doing different things. And so, mm-hmm. I, and, you know, I just feel like the more we can talk and be open and, and walk through the things that we're struggling with, then that's just, I think that's really huge for the both of us. And, and that's mm-hmm. what God created marriage for is to mm-hmm. help each other out with those things. You yeah. created helpers. Yeah. Like, why don't we let them help? <laughs> right. Why do we act like we've got to have it all together so sure. that everyone can't help? There's actually a blessing in be able to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, mm-hmm. it's a blessing for both of us. So if I'm not giving Kim the opportunity to help me out, I'm actually depriving her of mm-hmm. like what God intended for her and for me. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I would say the other thing for us is counseling and community. Like number one, what Ben mm-hmm. said is our relationship with God, mm-hmm. but like 
counseling is huge. And so mm-hmm. many times when we recommend counseling to people, they're like, oh, well, we're not there. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like even good marriages <laughs> need counseling sometimes. Yes. Like, and, and, and to recognize that like counseling does not disqualify you. Like mm-hmm. John and Angel know every nitty gritty thing about our lives. Mm-hmm. And after we had been on our healing journey for several months, approached me about coming back on staff, which I had been on staff for years as a children's ministry director. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you know every ugly thing about us. And really it was it was hiring both of us in essence because mm. we're a team in this. Yeah. But there was a beauty of that right realizing that God did not we weren't disqualified from ministry. Mm. Like even all the more because it gives us an opportunity to just be open and share with families and that like it's easy for people in our position to put us on a pedestal. Yeah. But then when we see families struggling, we can spot it because we know it. We've been there and yeah. just say, hey, look, let's go to coffee. Let's have a conversation. And and it's in that reality. And it's so funny, like me and my little achiever, I thought God would use me out of my perfection. Mm-hmm. It's out of my own self-destruction that God has used to me. Wow. Yeah. It's when He is glory and His goodness has been able to shine because I was at my weakest mm. that He has been that. And so just counseling and being open for that, like like pursuing that, but then even just community because it's really easy to create yourself, to isolate yourself because especially when you've come through something like recovery you're still, you're not perfect, right? Yeah, like we're sure. not perfect. So we still struggle. And it's easy to replace one addiction or one achievement with something else. Mm. But when you put yourself in community to where you're having to be humble and vulnerable and let people see the inside, because it's a constant, we're never perfect. We're never totally healed. Sure. And even just walk in with couples that have gone through what we've gone through. Sometimes mm. I'll be like, hey, I met with this wife for breakfast today and she said something that really like triggered me. Like, mm. I need to talk about that with you. And, and so even just that continual refining fire in our own life through mm. God using us in community and allowing community to be used in our life. And yeah. my personality would say, oh, we've got this all figured out. Let me go write a book and teach everybody how to overcome. You know what I mean? And God, because of community, doesn't yeah. allow that. Yeah. What a beautiful... God has used our story with so many couples He's allowed us to walk one-on-one with. Mm -hmm. And it's not been from let me teach you what we did, but let me just tell you what God did in us. And it's been really cool to see. And even for our children, like Mm -hmm. age-appropriately share, but our kids would say that they know God because they've watched how He changed their parents. And my heart was that they were going to know God because they saw His goodness through my perfection. Hmm. And it was that they saw his goodness through my mess. Wow. And just what a beautiful thing. And so that's why I'm passionate about parents being honest with their kids about hmm. who God is and what he saved them from and what they struggle with and hmm. letting them see the goodness of God in their life through honesty and um, age appropriate, of course. Sure. But, and then when our kids have struggled as young adults, mm-hmm. they don't feel afraid to come and share their sin struggles with us. Exactly. We're honest and real, and they know that, but they've seen that God is bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, thank you guys so much. Oh, my goodness. I mean, even though I know your story and I've had individual conversations with you and I know my husband's met with Ben. I mean, I just every time you guys share, I just continue to be blessed by um, just 
yeah, how God has worked in your life. And I, I just keep, like I said, I've, I've seen this whole theme of being seen, you know, and that's, I know here at Reclaim Story, you know, that, that is our desire, you know, as we help women, um, heal from a painful past is, is for them to know that they're seen and that they're not alone. And so, um, we hope that as you've been listening today, that you also feel seen. And we want you to know that if you are currently in in um, a struggle like this, like pornography, or you're in a marriage that has that struggle, um, please reach out to us. You can contact us at connect at reclaimstory.com. And, um, you know, and I'm sure even Kim and Ben, um, you know, we can put their email addresses, um, you know, if you're local here, or even if you're not local, I'm sure um, even if you felt touched or moved by what they shared and, you know, just want to encourage them, but also want to reach out and be encouraged by them, we'll, um, we'll include their email addresses and their contact information. But Kim and Ben, thank you, dear friends. Thank you for being so vulnerable and honest as you already are, but for sharing just really what God has done in your life and in your marriage. But most importantly, how God has shown you that He is love and how by understanding God's love um, for us, that that's what healed healed your marriage and has healed you guys individually. So thank, thank you again. So thank you again, listeners. And as always, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and in our blog coming up. And even next month as we, gosh, it's March already next month. Um, just be on the lookout for our next theme of unpacking your past. And I think Kim and Ben did a beautiful job of showing the value of needing to go back to heal in order to move forward. So thank you again for joining us and we will see you again next week.